0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Make no mistake, God is a gracious and forgiving God, but He is not a tolerant God. Today, Pastor Jim calls us to task about the idols in our lives. If you think you don't have any, then you haven't looked closely enough, He says there is something, and probably a few somethings, that you're holding on to that God has asked you to let go of. Anything that you turn to or seek comfort in before or instead of God is an idol. Seek them out and make an intentional effort to remove them from your life. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelations chapter 2 as he continues his message, Busy but Too Tolerant.
1: I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes you're not going to like what I say, but I won't lie for you. Now, some of you say, what kind of business would you have like that? We ship hazardous materials on airplanes. Okay, We are not going to lie for anybody. We're going to hold to every single comma, period, dot of that law. And don't ask us ever to do anything. Threaten to sue me, go for it. We're not. We're, that was the business we had. We're not going to do that. And so there's a great lesson here. Any kind of faith that gets your eyes off Jesus is not faith at all. That's not faith at all. Adding or subtracting from the gospel destroys the gospel. That's something I want to just, like, I want God to take that and put that over the congregation and just let it come down. Adding to the gospel or subtracting to the gospel destroys the gospel. Oh but pastor Jim there's are such a good person doesn't matter doesn't matter be very careful today a lot of churches suffer from the cult of personality if you follow this stuff on social media some of these pastors of some of these like monstrously huge churches we don't even have them around here you got some of these churches 20 30 40 50 60,000 people going some of these guys are just falling apart at the seams why they got too impressed with themselves. They preached a very easy-to-believe gospel, and then they just sort of thought that they were something special. Well, what does Jesus say, Isaiah 42? What does the Lord say, Isaiah 42? The Lord will not share his glory with another. He won't. You're nothing special. You're nothing special. I always joke with the people around here, if you knew, I always say the reason God made me a pastor is so I go to church every Sunday. Right? Yeah. Nothing special about me. I'm just a dude. Like, like my friend here introduced me to a guy the other night. He goes, he's just a dude. Like I'm like, hey, I'm just a dude, right? Right? You know, people say, should I call you Pastor Jim? I don't care what you call me, right? Just save a hot dog for me after service. That's all I care about, right? Right? I always say this. When you're talking about me, you, shouldn't call me, you should call me Pastor Jim. Why? Because you're talking about the office that God has given me. That's what's important. The office is important. The guy, me, whatever, right? So watch out for the truth and the error mix. Watch out for new teachings that contradict the Bible and the false promises that people make. Be very, very careful. Well, that takes us to number four the correction. Now, this is where it divides a little bit compared to the other weeks, but it's still the same format. This is the correction and consequences. For Jezebel and her followers, then, so we go to the two things, so the correction and then the consequence for Jezebel and her followers, then we'll go to the rest of the church in Thyatira. That's not like them. So, verse 21, for Jezebel and her followers. And I gave her time to repent, to change her ways of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Another version says she was not willing Now, it seems that Jesus had already warned her to repent. Did he appear to her? I don't know. Was it through church leadership saying, listen, you need to stop what you're doing? Was it through Christian friends or something like that? We don't know. She needed to change her mind and her behavior and her teaching and what she was telling people. And what? She declined. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm a prophetess. Don't bother me. Okay? So... If they were participating in one of her idolatry dinners, okay? Or if they were getting drunk at their small group or community group, as we call them around here, okay? Jesus says, you can't plead ignorance now. Now you know what's going on. Now I've told you how you're going to have to deal with this stuff. You can't plead ignorance anymore. So what is interfering with our devotion to God today? In America, we have what Ezekiel calls idols of the heart. We like to be comfortable, right? You like to be comfortable. We don't want any kind of stuff, you know, messing up our lives. I said to you, before we started the service, I'm in an unusual state this week of being unhinged, right? So you say like, well, how how are you not that way? Okay? Very simple. Very simple. I owned a trucking company for 19 years. Nothing ever went right. (laughs) Like, if I had one good day a month, that was a great month. Okay? So I got so used to everything going wrong. I become unhinged now when things hurt the people that I love. Sometimes some of you tell me stuff, and I cry my way home because I'm so saddened by what some of you guys are going through. So we want to be comfortable, but that's not life. That's never promised to us in the Bible. A lot of us want stress relief, stress relief. So maybe we turn to alcohol, or that's why we have a rehab group on Monday nights. You're welcome to come out. We start at seven o'clock, free dinner at 6.30, right? And so you want stress relief. Life is stressful. It just is. And so we need to come to better grips with that. So, so you say, okay, Pastor Jim, you just admitted that uh, maybe you're like, well, I become very unhinged often. You don't seem to become unhinged often. How do you deal with that? Prayer life, that's how you do it. There's no other way. There's no other way. And so other things we want, temporary satisfaction. Temporary satisfaction. Then you feel guilty after it, right? What's the point of that? Maybe think about the guilt before you go do what you got to do. Or maybe realize that it's actually the anticipation of what you're going to do that's more satisfying for you than actually doing it. Like, you, you're like, oh, I got to do this and I'll feel better. Then you do that. You're like, I don't feel better. What happened with that? But we just have these things that we want. They're idols in us. So we have to look at that and what's interfering with our devotion to God today. And the warning comes to all of us as well. Is there some sin in your life, in my life, that the Lord wants us to give up and we are unwilling? Is the spirit of Jezebel somehow inside of us? And is this something that we need to deal with? Now, it's important to see that God brings these things to our mind. Why? Because he's a good father. Because he's a good father. He intervenes when his children are walking down a very dangerous path of destruction. Not to hurt us. Not to hurt us at all. I think in a lot of ways, because God wants all of us to see something that most of us are very blind to. Do you see the possibilities of what God wants to do with your life? Have you really thought about that? And I think when you look for those opportunities and those possibilities, you will find they are passing by you moment by moment by moment by moment. You just haven't been looking for them. They are there. It's important to know that people who belong to God must repent. We live a lifestyle of repenting. And here's the thing that a lot of people think repenting is this horrible, horrible thing. We talked about it last week. No, this is an invitation to come back to God's best. This is an invitation to be who God has created you to be. But a refusal to repent of our sin, a refusal to say to God, please help me with this, forgive me and help me, reveals that our heart is in a bad place. See, when the Lord reveals our sin, it should make us more humble, but at the same time, more grateful for the cross of Jesus Christ because he paid the price for our sins. When you're grateful to Jesus for paying for your sins, does that make you want to sin more? No. That should make us want to turn from our sin, not think, oh, well, you know, God doesn't care, or how can I get away with it next time? That takes us to number five, the consequence. Again, first, the negative consequence for Jezebel and her followers. It's very serious. Look at verse 22. He says, indeed, Jesus talking, I tell you, some versions say, I will cast or I will throw her into a sickbed. Now, Nobody's really sure of exactly what that means. It could be that he's going to move her from the bed of idolatry to the bed of pain and suffering. Maybe he's going to just put a lot of really difficult things in her path, some of them self-imposed. That's going to make life difficult for her. And those who commit adultery with her, those who follow her, you cannot blame them. I know a lot of people blame other people for their walk with God. You can't do it. You can't do it. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. So sometimes it's important for us to see that I'm not saying that all of our suffering is due to sin, but the goal of our suffering a lot of times is for God to show us there's still a chance. You can still repent. You can still come back to me. Verse 23, I will kill her children, those would be her followers, With death. Now they're all gonna die somehow, but they're gonna, if they don't repent, they will die a spiritual death. They will be separated from God for the rest of their lives, for the rest of eternity. And then he says this, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. Hugely important thing he just said there. Basically, he says this, you can't fool me. I search the minds. I search the hearts. But you know what he also just said? Again, the New Testament assumes that you understand the Old Testament. He just said, I am God. Now you said, he didn't say that. He He didn't say that at all. Yes, he did. He just quoted God speaking in Jeremiah 17.10. God says, this is what I am. Okay, I search the minds and the hearts. And Jesus says, I search the minds and the hearts. So what is he saying? I am God. Now, it's kind of an interesting thing here. We'll pause in the middle of this verse here. That word minds, okay, can actually be translated kidneys. So I want you to think about that. God says, I search your kidneys and your hearts. Now, some of you are like, why is he looking at my kidneys? What's the point? I go deep, deep down into you. I go down so deep. I go down to the deep places where you don't even go. I know things about you. I know why you do what you do. I know everything about you. So you can hide nothing from me. And then he says this at the end of the verse, and I will give each one of you according to your works. There will be consequences for good and bad for the way we live our lives. So then in verse 24, now he goes to the correction. We go back to point number four, really. It's the correction for the rest of the church. Now to you I say... And the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, the idea is for all you guys that don't believe what she teaches. Okay, but he's correcting them who have not known the depths of Satan or here's where a lot of your versions translate it, the deep things. Sometimes you meet somebody and they go, I'm going to show you the deeper things right? Let me show you how to figure out all the numbers from the Bible. Let me show you how to this, this thing and that thing. I'm going to show you all the deep things, the hidden things and stuff like that. What does Jesus say? Oh, yeah, that's from the Bible of Satan. Be very, very careful. So who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. He says, I'm, I don't add to the word of God, right? I'm not going to add that stuff on. They're going to add I'm not going to add. You have what I've given you. Verse 25, very important verse. But hold fast what you have till I come. So what is he saying? What's the correction? No more tolerance of evil. You need to call it out. Live out the word of God. We might say it this way. Don't lose your backbone. Don't lose your backbone. Here Jesus says, Keep progressing like you are. And as we saw in verse 19, beware people, especially if you're new, who teach you the quote-unquote deeper things. Don't tolerate false teachers like this woman anymore. Don't tolerate her in your church. Don't tolerate her in your community group. Don't tolerate her on your serving team. Now, this does not mean that your next-door neighbor, right, you go talk to them, and they start telling you all this wackadoo stuff, You're not like, Jezebel, no, no. First of all, the guy would be like, that's a chick's name, I'm a dude, right? But no, this is in the church. What does that person need to hear that has all that, your next door neighbor? The good news of Jesus Christ, okay? But he says, warn the people in the church that are like this, maybe help the people get a little bit more educated. A lot of people that go to our church come from bad Church, teaching, backgrounds. It's okay. Did you hear what I just said? It's okay. Sometimes people come up to me and they go, uh, I was just talking to this person and they're out there. They're out there. I'm like, I know. And they're like, Why not? was I that way when I got here? I'm like, you were way worse. Okay, so that's okay. They're new. We understand that. This is someone who's coming in, trying to change the the doctrine of of the church. And he says, hold fast, okay? Speak up. This is a lifelong thing until the second coming. He says, till I've returned, okay? And what's happening in Thyatira is people are not holding on. So what do we do while we wait? We hold on to Jesus, the word of God and its truth, not the people who told me. Well, God told me to tell you. You gotta watch out for those people. Be very, very careful, you're gonna meet them, okay? Given this before, I feel like I gotta tell you again. Single women, single women. Sometimes, some guy will come up to you and said, God told me to tell you you're to be my wife, okay? Let me give you the answer, right? Well, thank you very much, but when he tells me, I'll tell you, okay? And if he comes back again, you say, let me talk to my big brother about this, okay? So you said, I'll talk to them about it. And I'll be like, okay, dude, I know what, but God told me, I'm not disputing what God told you. I have no idea what he told you. But I know he didn't tell her yet. And when he tells her, I'll be happy to perform the ceremony. But until then, back off, back off. And if he doesn't back off, well, this isn't Thyatira, okay? <laughs> now, the positive consequence for the rest of the church, verse 26 through 29, I want to read twice. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him, I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's go slowly. And he, or to the one who overcomes, some of your versions say conquers or are victorious, and keeps my works, sticks to my word, until the end, to him I will give power, some versions say authority over the nations. The Bible tells us that true followers of Jesus will rule over the nations with Jesus, verse 27, Write down, if you're taking notes, Psalm 2. It's a messianic psalm. It has some quotes from it. He shall rule them or shepherd them with a rod of iron, speaking of the Lord's rule over those who rebel against him. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I have also received from my Father. Okay, And I will give him, who's him? The overcomers, the victorious, the conquerors, the morning star. Now, later in the book of Revelation, Jesus is referred to as the morning star. So what is he saying here? I will give the overcomer what? Christ and his messianic victory. I would also say that Christ will give you the deepest needs and longings of your heart. Why would I say that? Because Jesus is essentially saying, if you do this, you overcome to the end. You get me. You get, we get Jesus. He who has an ear to hear, verse 29, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can I alter my version of this a little bit? I wrote my own little version of this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills. People here who listen to us on the radio, who are watching online, let me hear what the Spirit says. Here Jesus says, with the spirit living inside of a follower of Jesus, you can and you will stay at it and you don't have to compromise your faith. Jesus says, I will reward the one who overcomes and keeps my works, the one who does not tolerate the Jezebels and want to be about the work of the Lord. Now this is important to remember. I'm gonna say it slowly in case you wanna write it down. Our perseverance in the faith is the proof of the profession of our faith. One more time, our perseverance in the faith is the proof of the profession of our faith. If we want to rule with Jesus in the future, we must be faithful in the presence. That means no tolerance of the Jezebels of this world. Unfortunately, so much of what the Jezebels of the world stand for now is accepted in our churches. The church is undergoing a cosmic shift right now. What people often call grace is simply they are too cowardly to say anything about it, no matter how much harm it causes people. In Ephesus, again, they left their first love. The church in Thyatira was guilty of soft love, spineless love. They just didn't have a spine. They were not holding fast. In years, the church has let a lot of things slide. A lot of things slide. And we are paying for it dearly now. Paying for it dearly now. It used to be, you know, people would come to church and they would be like, oh, yeah, I heard you teach the Bible here. I want to learn a little bit more about it. Now I'm like, you cannot believe what they're saying at the church that I go to now. You cannot believe what's going on in the community groups. You cannot believe what, it's just its just absolutely horrible. We are paying the price Many of today's churches are busy, but not with discipleship, but with fun activities. Now, I'm all for fun, but not all the time. Now, some of you might say, a lot of people say this, but we need new ways to do church. Would you be surprised to know that I 100% agree? I do. The new way is to go back to the old way. (laughs) That's the new way, to serve Jesus, to serve the church, and take the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world that will always take us the way of the cross, not the American idols of comfort and health and wealth. Jesus calls for patient endurance and hard work for an entire community of people like us to shine in a dark, dark world. That light shines in the darkness of compromise and too much tolerating, that which is against the word of God from people who say that they are followers of Jesus. The key part is overcoming. And it may look like defeat now, but it's the path to victory and eternal life. Look at the cross. When you look at the cross, remember Jesus said that his eyes are like fire. But you also get this incredible picture of Jesus looking down at the people on the cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So are the eyes of fire filled with tears as it looks upon people? And let me ask you this question. Which eyes do you want looking at you? Do you want the eyes of fire looking at you? Or do you want the eyes of compassion looking at you? You see, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you know what he did? He threw the ball into your court. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he threw the ball into your court. And he said, if you continue on the path that you're on, you get the eyes of fire that sees deeply, deeply, deeply down into your kidneys how bad things are. But if you're willing to repent, which means to turn to God and put your trust in Jesus, When to turn from your sin and turn, put your trust in Jesus' perfect life and die on the cross for you, you don't get the eyes of fire. You get the eyes of a savior. So today I ask you, before you leave this place, know that you leave with one set of eyes. The balls in your court decide which ones you want to be looking at you.
0: Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world, and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.